0: Welcome to episode 90 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I do not really have a voice for radio.
1: And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia.
0: Today we had some podcast (laughs) cross-pollination.
1: That is a gross way to put it. I don't think so! talking about flowers i i understand what we're talking about i just think that's weird Uh, um (laughs) so we talked to i feel like this is podcast royalty we're about to talk about sure Anne Bogle.
0: Modern Mrs. Darcy herself.
1: I know. We can't believe it either. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, talk, we spoke... We have recorded... We should just
0: interrupt. <laughs> We're a little bit punch drunk.
1: <laughs> we have recorded a lot of episodes today, but Anne was one of the first ones we recorded, mm-hmm. and it was fun to talk with her about book blogging, book matchmaking, the work she does with independent bookstores and readers. Um, it was really fascinating.
0: Yeah, and she does such a great job at recommending books to people and really encouraging people to read and to seek out new books Mm -hmm. um which as bookstore people we cannot praise enough
1: that's right we we like those kinds of people Mm -hmm. so i hope you will enjoy this really fun kind of special feeling episode of from the front porch Hi, Anne. Hi. It's Annie. And Chris. Welcome. Hi, how are you all? <laughs> Good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, we are going to chat today all about the things that you are used to chatting about on a pretty regular basis. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, we have all kinds of questions about book blogging and book matchmaking, but Chris really has the most important question of all.
0: Okay. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. Why modern Mrs. Darcy?
1: Oh. (laughs) um,
2: Well, because you get weird ideas late at night when you're (laughs) making New Year plans with your husband with sushi and a bottle of wine. I think that's how that happens. Excellent. So... I'm a Jane Austen fan, but also wanted something to indicate like that it wasn't all 19th century stuff we were going to talk about mm-hmm. on my little corner of the internet as I envisioned it in 2010, 2011. <laughs> so you have the Jane Austen reference, plus you have modern to modernity. Be a little obvious, yeah.
0: Um, and has this name kind of like grown with you, or has it has it changed in your mind at all from what you envisioned?
2: Oh, I want to change every three months. I want to calm down <laughs> and change everything, so. Um, it is, I don't know. I think Kat G and, well, you know, Jane Austen's uh, Pride and Prejudice has been around since 1813. So right. in that sense, I don't think it's going to go stale anytime soon, but it's not a highly specific name. Mm-hmm. So it has been able to be flexible as I have shifted a bit.
0: <laughs> That's great. I love it.
2: Yeah. I got lucky there.
0: I should go as modern Mr. Elizabeth Bennett or something.
1: I don't know. I don't know. That
0: might not be as flexible. (laughs) No, probably not.
1: So I'm sure our listeners are pretty familiar, but you started this blog in, you said, 2010, 2011? The
2: first post was published in 2011.
1: And I'm curious, I guess I kind of want to know, not only this idea that it sounds like came to you while you were chatting with your husband about New Year's goals and resolutions, but I'm also curious, were you an English lit major in college? Like, what kind of led you, what were you before you were a book blogger, book reviewer, podcaster, etc.?
2: Anna, you're going to love this. I did property law. I do love that. (laughs) Um, I did not take an English course after my freshman year, which now is one of my deep regrets that I wish I had. But at the time, I was, I mean, you can only trust a 19-year-old to make so many decisions about her life, (laughs) or at least this 19-year-old back in the day. (laughs) Uh, But I had some older friends who said that, studying literature had turned them off literature and that they needed a 10 year break to mm-hmm. get back into loving reading again and I was terrified that that would happen to me and I'm not them and you know there's no, I seriously doubt it would have gone that way but that was the story I told myself when I signed up for other courses instead
0: mm-hmm. I, I feel that acutely
1: yeah Chris is a PhD
0: yeah I'm a PhD student in literature and I, I, I really get <laughs> the and idea I'm of happy, burning happy. out on reading
2: what did I do with my college life? I can go to you for reassurance.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> you can also <laughs> audit my class anytime you want. That's fine.
1: That's what I do. I just, I've been to one of Chris's classes to make up for. I um, I did my undergraduate in liberal arts journalism and then started graduate school and quit, which I'm grateful for now because it led me to the bookstore. But I do miss academia a little bit. So yeah, auditing classes is a good solution to that. Everybody wins. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so you started the blog, posted in 2011. Tell me about this conversation between you and your husband because my husband and I also had some conversations about should we buy a bookstore in small (laughs) Thomasville, Georgia? And I want to know about this conversation you guys must have had about starting a blog and when you check back in with each other and have these conversations now, it just has morphed into this really... Pretty, bi- you're a pretty big deal on the internet, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> In
2: one tiny corner of the. Inter- have you seen those T-shirts? I'm a big deal on my blog.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
2: um, do you love those like crazy talk kind of conversations, Annie? Because I really do. I
1: do. My uh, that is. I've a
2: never big... had maybe bookstore money on the line.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah. Those aren't as fun. Um, yeah. But my husband and I do. I mean, always, even before the bookstore, we have always had really deep rich conversations about life and our life decisions. It's one of my favorite things about our marriage. Um so yeah, now the bookstore plays a big part in that and your conversation with your husband just sounds kind of similar to some conversations I've had with mine, so I'd love I'd love the background on that.
2: Well, back in the day when our kids went to bed before, we did. <laughs> um
1: mm-hmm.
2: we would have a lot. I mean, we still do, you know, sometimes you just stay up too late to have life's important conversations. Yep. It It happens, even if you like to go to bed early with your book most nights. So... We were just like hanging out at the kitchen table after the kids went to bed and we were, it was around new year's, like right before or right after. And we were just talking about some things we had done that had really worked and some things we wanted to do more of in the year to come. And he had done some blogging the previous year and I am a little fuzzy on the details. It was small business blogging and it was something that he liked and I liked reading his post. And I said, you should totally do more of that in the year to come. Like that seemed to be good for you. And he said, I'll think about it, but you know, do you know who should really start a blog? And I said, no, who should really start a blog? (laughs) And so he told me, and I said, I don't even read blogs. Like I read your blog. You are out of your mind. What are you talking about? And 15 minutes later, we were like brainstorming post topics and trying to come up with a name and trying to figure out like, well, what would it be about exactly? Because I apparently am easily persuadable. (laughs) And so it started that night and it was a few months until it went live but I still have that notebook with all, like, the category listings and the stupid sketches I was doing. And, yeah, so that's, that's how it happened.
1: I'm curious to know if your, books, if your blog started as kind of this book. You do this really well, this kind of book matchmaking. And I certainly know that's a big part of your podcast. But was that always a big part of your blog? Or were you mostly doing reviews um, and kind of telling people what you were reading? How did that kind of morph into what it has become.
2: Okay. So I fully realize you're going to think I'm crazy, but even at like mm-hmm. 18 months ago, I was telling people like, I am not a book blogger and <laughs> you need to like, <laughs> <I'm trying> to <laughs> books uh, Books have always been part of what I did. But, and I think a regular part, like some of the early posts were things, not necessarily book reviews, mm-hmm. but something I do, a because I don't write very many like straight book reviews. Right. But But if you're listening and you're from the New York Times, feel free to contact me anyway. (laughs) You know, I'll make an exception. Uh, Just because very rarely do I find those interesting to read unless I'm like reading for a purpose. Like, do I or don't I want to read that book? Sometimes the book review is really funny and engaging on its own merit, but not, those aren't my favorite things to read. But I love posts that are like to write and to read that are inspired by something. That someone has been reading or a certain anecdote in a book or something like that. So very early posts had things like that. And I just really found that, and it should have been so obvious that I just love to talk about books and didn't get enough in my real life. And so even before I realized that was doing books became a bigger piece of content. And then a few years ago, I realized, you know what, this is my favorite part. And this is what my readers love the most is mm-hmm. the books and reading content because i think so many people just struggle with what to read there's so much out there they have no idea what to grab from mm-hmm. the either metaphorical or literal piles yeah. and i really enjoy like helping sort out not necessarily the good from the bad but like the good for your particular preference from the books that you'd be happier just not reading and So that's what happened there. But the literary matchmaking, that's fairly new, like less than two years. I just put up a post one day that said, um, and this was born out of like years of having people say like, would you just recommend a good book to me? I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, you got to tell me a little more information. So, cause I can tell you what I like to read, but I have no idea what you're going to like to read. So I just said, you know, let's try something new. This will be fun. Tell me. Three books you love, one book you hate, and what you're reading now. And I'll give you a few suggestions if you're up for it. Like, you can't make recommendations in a vacuum, but that should be enough to go on and let's see what's happened. And I got 200 comments and <laughs> very quickly felt a little overwhelmed. And so I did those weekly for a while and finally realized this just isn't fun. And simultaneously, I've been thinking for a while, like, oh, I love the idea of doing a podcast. I like to listen to them. You know, mm-hmm. that could be fun, but I don't have a compelling topic and I just don't want to talk to a microphone every week for an hour and then i finally realized that would make a great podcast yeah so that's how that came to be
0: and book recommendation is such a particular skill um there's you
2: are... run a bookstore <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> it's a skill you have
0: <laughs> it is a skill that i have that i've that i've learned yeah. <laughs> honed in the past year plus that i've worked here but but it requires so much background knowledge like you have to read a lot in order to recommend books um and you have to have some kind of instinct um, to know what people will like, even if you don't actually know them. And to be able to do that just based on recommendations or just based on, on previous reading is, is hard sometimes.
1: It is hard sometimes, yeah. One of the things I love about those questions that you ask, and I... I wanted to tell you this. So, the, earlier this summer, I went to Haiti, and I went with a group of strangers. Um, it, it, it's a long story for another time, but <laughs> but basically, I met them in Miami, and it was, um, I think, now I'm wondering, but I think it was about six other young women, and I was the oldest, I think, by five years, and I thought, how am I going to connect with these g- girls, women, that I have never met? And quickly they started asking me about the bookstore and then they kept asking for book recommendations. And I thought, how am I going to do this? I don't know these people. And then I thought, I know what would Ann do. (laughs) (laughs) And so I became all the whole week that I was in Haiti, um, the Americans that I interacted with, I would literally sit down with them. They would come to me at dinner and I would ask them those questions, what are three books you love, one book you hate, and what are you reading right now? I always give you full credit, so don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> but it was a hit and I am a I'm a pretty strong introvert and so it was really nice to have a way to kind of break the ice and to meet meet and mingle with these people who I didn't know. So I really owe you, Anne, for those for those questions, so thanks.
2: Well, I'm so glad to hear it, but I also really love how you were able to connect with total strangers, especially (laughs) if you're in a situation where you're like, I am not really sure (laughs) what I'm going to talk about with you that you all could connect over reading. That's really fun.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, that's the power of books. And one Mm -hmm. thing I love, I have loved about your blog. I, I read your blog, especially when I had a normal desk job where I had a little bit more free time to do the blog reading thing. Um, But one thing I loved wasn't just that you were talking about books or giving book recommendations, but you use books to kind of have other conversations, whether it's conversations about time management or about raising your kids or about traveling. You weaved books in there, even if it wasn't like a book-specific post and that's one of the things I love about bookstore life Um, and it's one thing I love about the conversations that book lovers have even if you're not like doing book reviews together or talking about a particular title together still somehow books kind of weave their way through all of your conversations and and that's one thing I loved about your blog and it's one thing I really enjoy about this book life that I'm living. All right, so in your book, Matchmaking, has there ever been, especially on the podcast, you don't have to name names or anything, but when you interact, is there ever a time when you are stumped and you really are not quite sure how you're going to do this?
2: Oh, well, talking to you was pretty difficult because you've read everything. (laughs) (laughs) Usually, I mean, yes, sometimes I have moments where I go, I have no idea what's going to happen next. but And I wish I was recording in a bookstore where I could look around or ideally mm-hmm. walk like, around. Really if I could re- record an episode in your store, I'd be so happy because then I could just start browsing because um, I have a really difficult time pulling – I'm really good at making connections between ideas and between titles. But if I were doing it in a concrete wall with Mm -hmm. no pictures or images, like sometimes I worry that my brain is going to land on the right file. Um, I don't know. I just I'm starting to trust now almost 40 something episodes in that it will come to me. Is there, I really, I don't know. Like what, like when we sat down, like I didn't, I had an idea of what you liked because I do know people's favorites in advance. They tell me their love and their hate and I don't know anything else, but that is what I know. Um, they change them on me a lot of the time,
1: but it it at least gives
2: me, it lets me get the wheels spinning at least a day or two in advance. And that's really helpful so i'm not going in blind but you know conversations always take turns you don't expect or people say things that make you think of a certain title yes. and like if you were talking with your friend with coffee about reading it, like you wouldn't you wouldn't run out of book talk so i just trust that we're not going to run out of book talk it'll be okay
1: absolutely yeah is there a particular title that you want to recommend to almost anyone or everyone that comes on either your podcast or through your blog like is there a book that you've read that you really just want to put into anybody's hands or everybody's hands?
2: That's a good question. Some books are more crowd pleasing than others, but no. But <laughs> but there are there are certain types of readers, and I do find myself wanting to recommend the same titles to certain types of readers, um, like people like when we talked and you said that you just loved, I don't know, something about the the books you. Chose They were very um, literary, engaging stories, well-written, like uh, almost a contemplative kind of let's step back and look at the meaning of life kind of books. <laughs> to that kind Pretty of, and that <laughs> sounds so like eye roly like philosophical guru. And I don't mean it like that at all. I mean, oh, my people. Um, right. I always want to recommend Crossing to Safety to those or Wendell Berry or, um. Le- or Marilyn Robinson. I almost called her Lila Robinson, but I don't think she'd mind. (laughs) And then to other kinds of readers, I might want to recommend like ready player one over and over. Um, and then station 11, I want to recommend every third episode. (laughs) And I try, like I'll reuse titles. Um, when they're you know that's not really true I mean I feel compelled to mention it but I want I want people to be exposed to variety of books and that makes it sound like we're talking about germs like I want to give people plenty to read (laughs) not just recommend the same titles over and over again so I do stop myself but those are a few titles that I do want to just toss out regularly
0: those are all great titles (laughs) I think so
1: I think most people do You and I have, just in our emailing back and forth to even schedule this, have kind of talked about the number of galleys or ARCs that we keep around our homes. And I'm curious, how many books do you try to read a month?
2: I don't put hard numbers on it. Mm -hmm. And it's only, like I have a reading journal. I don't number the books. Um, It makes me twitchy. I think but it's probably, it's probably at least 10. And it depends on the season. Like I put out a big summer reading guide every year and I didn't do this the first two years, but I have since then, I think we're on year five. Um, like I read all the books in it before it goes out so that I can say like, I have personally vouched for this. And if you have content issues, you can ask me, I know I've read every word. Um, and I have it in my like mental bank of like, if you like X, then you'll like Y probably, um, So during summer reading prep season, I do try to read like a book every day or two, but that's not usual. So last week, um, or what day when the new Louise Penny came out, I was really, really busy and I, was dying to read that thing in two days. And I think it took me nine,
1: oh, wow. even though
2: it was the only thing I was reading at the time. Um, just because I was, I had other plans and her team did not check with me before they scheduled the release date. <laughs> so it took nine
0: Someone days. So <laughs>
1: I think that that, and you know, I, I think I told you when I recorded with you, like I try to read eight to 10 books a month, but this past month I read four, like life happens and you can't really help it. But what are some of your, I know sometimes a customer has asked me, well, how do you find the time to read? And of course, part of it is it's part of my job. Um, But I'm curious, what are some tips or tricks that enable you to be able to read what you do? Like, do you carve out a certain amount of time every day? Do you um, listen to audiobooks? Like, how do you get your reading done, I guess?
2: Well, it changes depending on the season because I do have kids, and in the summer, I would make myself stop and read between like two thirty and four. And not always, but mostly every afternoon. Or I'd read at the pool or something like that. And now I'm in the car between two thirty and four, so that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Um I do listen to audio books, but not when they're with me. But mm-hmm. I do get reading in that way. Um I right now and working on being present with my children when they're doing their homework so I'm easily accessible so that's a good time for me to read a book just at the kitchen table mm-hmm. i we don't watch a lot of tv at my house um although we just started west wing so maybe i should wow. be that right
1: now have so uh, much fun it's so good <laughs>
2: for the first time we're on like episode 6 oh, which means incredible. we have like 140 something <laughs> episodes to go something insane like that But I go to bed. Like, usually I read for an hour before bed every night. Like, it's just part of my, like, Mm -hmm. wind down, you know, fun time. And if my kids are still running around, like, leave mom alone. She's reading. You know what that means. So those are the two main ways, like, afternoon and evening. And then that's in summer reading season, summer reading prep season, I might be reading in the morning during my substantial work time. Because when it comes down to crunch time, that is substantial work. But usually those are my two times during the day. Okay. And weekends, like a good Saturday morning with your third cup of coffee
1: and a good book, Ooh. That's really nice <laughs> for those of us who work on I was Saturdays. Say,
0: I, I miss <laughs> <Sorry>. Saturday morning. <laughs>
1: that sounds delightful. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. <laughs> okay, so we have four questions that we ask every guest who comes on the podcast. Um, they're pretty easy. Um, I think you'll I think you'll handle them well. Um, so the first question
0: is we're on a podcast you host a podcast but what other podcasts do you like to listen to
2: oh wow i have so many <laughs> um, really, i wish i had my phone so i could tell you what i'm subscribed to <laughs> i like pantsuit politics especially right now mm. i like the new young house love has a podcast oh, yeah. i used to love books on the nightstand and i miss it we were um, just
0: talking about that oh let me think I mean, that's good. You gave us three. Yeah,
2: that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that's not representative. See, yeah. I just listen to three audiobooks in a row, so my podcasts are, like, patiently queuing In up. the
0: queue.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, because I switch back and forth between the podcasts and the audiobooks.
1: Well, you're a fan. Well, I think you are a fan because I saw you at their live show. You're a fan of the podcast.
2: <laughs> oh, don't tell Max and Jamie. I didn't think of them right away. <laughs>
1: You're a fan of the podcast. I, know,
2: I did not know you were there. But I didn't know I was going to be there until the last minute.
1: Yeah, I saw that you were there. But like I said, big introvert and was too chicken to speak to you. But that's why at SEBA I had no problem coming up and talking to you because I was like, second chance. Like, <laughs> yes, don't you feel that way? How like when I miss out on something that just yes. makes me
2: much more eager to do it next time. Well, yes. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do really like that. Oh, and I also, because I met... Uh, Laura Tremaine there for the first time in years. We met a long time ago, but not recently. I am really liking her new podcast, The Smartest Person in the Room. I love that, too. Have you? Yeah. I just listened to the one where she interviews the the set designer, the guy who did the set for Room, and um, his story about meeting Madonna blew my
0: mind. Oh,
1: that's so exciting. I have have to listen to it now. um, Okay. The second question that we ask all of our guests is, what is a classic you've never read but wish you had?
2: Oh gosh! Oh, there's so many. Um, I, Madame Bovary is a big one. That's every the one that I, I use. Yep. <laughs> yeah, every year, I think I'm going to cross this off the list, and I haven't read enough Edith Wharton. I have read finally The House of Mirth, but I need to read Age of Innocence, mm-hmm. and oh, and I need to re- read Henry James. Um, we are prepping a Gilmore Girls post Ooh. for later this fall for Modern Mrs. Darcy, <laughs> and we're going to tie it into the books she reads in the various episode, and we're going to oh, make some awesome. recommendations. So basically, I've come face-to-face with all the classics I've never read because Roy read them all right. yeah. in Seven Seasons of <laughs> yes, Gilmore Girls. So my list is pretty long, but those are my priorities. Fun.
0: Those are good ones. Um, a third question. Um, what is your favorite part of life in the South?
2: Well, I appreciate you including me.
1: Yes, because you're welcome.
2: I'm in, I'm in Southern living territory, like we get it here. Yeah. but I mean, they cover us, but the tea is not sweet. <laughs> practically... Like see Indiana out my window from where I am on the edge in Louisville. Um, I just really like that the people are friendly mm-hmm. and the food is good.
1: Yeah, I think, so at SEBA, somebody asked me um, where I was from because I guess I don't have too much of a Southern accent. And so they, we were kind of got in this conversation about what it means to be Southern and and I don't drink sweet tea. I hate grits. Um, There's very <laughs> little about me I think that is stereotypically southern. Um, but I do, I do love the food and and the people and the storytelling. I mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is really really great in the South. Um, okay, and then a question that you ask your listeners or or your guests: uh, What are you reading right now? Well, I've been working on the big
2: fat Hamilton bio for a oh, while yeah. now. And I also just read Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. Oh. Also referencing <laughs> when Annie, when you were, I know you read it not too long ago too. Yes. And so that has sent me back uh, to her earlier work. So I just started reading Run for the first time.
1: Were you an Ann Patchett fan before you read Commonwealth?
2: I was. I really liked, um the last few books. I've, I loved her nonfiction collection that came out recently. Mm-hmm. I really liked Bel Canto. I was good with State of Wonder. Not a favorite, but... Um, yeah, I'm sorry. You didn't ask me if I... You did ask me if I was an Ann Patchett fan. Yeah, no. Apparently, because uh, I just got all, like, gushy. My <laughs> <of the> <laughs> no, that was yeah, fair. I'm a fan, and I was, I've was. i been, like, waiting. Like, when will Ann Patchett's next novel come out? Right. Uh, for, I don't know, three years? So, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a fan.
1: So, one of my... Bookstore owner confessions is that I love Anne. Like, I got to meet Anne Patchett a couple years ago, and it. I have a picture of me looking like an absolute idiot. <laughs> um, but but I, you can see on my face this look of sheer delight. She was she was wonderful in person, but I had only read her nonfiction, I really enjoyed her nonfiction, and I still have never read Belcanto or State of Wonder. And I feel like that's a bookseller, bookstore owner, no no, just because she's such a champion of independent bookstores. But I feel vindicated because I'm glad Commonwealth was my first fiction of hers to read. I really, I really did enjoy it. And now maybe I will go back and read Belcanto. We'll see. Okay,
2: so. I've heard her describe Commonwealth and I've since used this to other people cause I just love it. So she's just talked about Commonwealth as Bel Canto without the costumes. So to work into it backwards, huh. if you loved Commonwealth, yeah, you could read a similar story all over again. Okay. Well maybe plus costumes,
1: yeah, plus costumes. Maybe I need to move yet another book onto mine to be read <laughs> Yeah.
2: Do it, do it, do it, do it. And then I want to hear what you think.
1: Yeah. I will report back. Okay, and this has been delightful. We just love getting to talk with other book lovers, and I think book influencers is a safe, name. I think that's a safe thing to call you. <laughs> um, I am curious before we let you go about your relationship to independent bookstores because you do a lot of book recommending on your blog and I know you have talked about your own local indie bookstore and you were at SEBA. So what is kind of your experience with the world of indie booksellers and do you kind of try to partner with your local bookstore um, just because probably a lot of people get their recommendations from your blog. And I know, for example, we have done your reading challenge in our bookstore before um, because you have so many listeners who knew in Thomasville, Georgia. Um, So what are some ways that you interact with or um, deal with your independent bookstores?
2: Uh, I am a fan, addict, enthusiast, (laughs) and a heavy spender. Um, (laughs) And I would love to hear from you all, like, closer to Christmas time about how I can encourage people to patronize their indies in a way that is smart. Um, I, I was just talking with a fellow bookstore-owning friend, um, Holland Saltzman. Awesome, she owns the Novel Neighbor in St. Louis, and yeah. I know a lot of you all know each other. Yeah. Um, we were laughing slash commiserating about how we both returned from road trips with our families, and we had steered the car And a windy path so that we could visit every independent bookstore in (laughs) our way, along the way. Um, I think that when it comes to books, um, you and I have talked about the power of meeting authors. Um, You know, us talking now, like book lover to book lover is amazing. Um, Just the power of a personal connection when you're choosing what to read. And just, it makes so much more of the experience and it helps you find titles that are better for you and to enjoy the whole experience more, like before, during, and after. And you're... If you're lucky enough to have an independent bookstore wherever you are, that is a wonderful place. For many people, it's the only obvious place for them to start finding that bookish point of connection in their community. And I love independent bookstores for that. Yeah, And that's one of the reasons that I feel like sometimes I spend enough money at independent bookstores to keep the lights on. Because it's really important to me that that <laughs> continue to be present like uh-huh. in my life, in my community, and in these other communities too.
1: Well, we thank you because that is absolutely true. I mean, we, I, I know at the bookshelf, but I also know so many of the bookstores um, around us and the people that I met and interacted with at SIBO. We're all trying to provide these safe havens for readers and these community gathering places for the people who live near us, for our neighbors. And so, um, yeah, we are so grateful for book lovers like you who choose to support indie and to shop locally. So,
0: and encourage others to do the same. That's yeah. the best thing you can do
1: yeah um so thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was my pleasure thank you so much for having me full episodes of from the front porch are on itunes or through our store website that's www.bookshelfthomasville.com
0: and see what we're up to behind the scenes on our social media accounts on instagram and twitter where you can follow us at bookshelf thanks
1: so much for listening and we'll see you next week